Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. And we appreciate you listening to AFR. I'm Tim Wildman with Fred Jackson. Good morning, Fred. Good morning on this very nice, cool Tuesday morning. Where we live? Where we live, yes. I don't know. Is it still hot? Yeah, in steamy. I just came back from South Carolina. It was really, really hot there. Yeah. 98 degrees, you know. But I bet they're cooling down, too, now. There's a, a nice front that's moved across and uh, places getting down to the 60s overnight. So we're mighty thankful here in the South. Yeah. It's a little pretty. You know, when I was just 10 years ago, I didn't care about the weather so much. <laughs> but now, yeah. upper 50s, 58 yeah. years years old. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, what happens. What's the psychology of caring about the weather? Is it the way your bones feel? Yeah. Your it, muscles? I, I think your so. Your attitude toward life? What is it? Uh, oxygen levels, plus for you, Ox- you can't golf, you know, in this country. Duly of, noted. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, used to, yeah, that's, well, maybe it's a subconscious in a way. Uh-huh. You know, you're, all right, so a lot to talk about today. Hey, we got a great guest coming up at the bottom of the hour. Amen. Uh, who are we going to have on? We're uh, going to have Fred? Rabbi Pesach Walecki. Walecki. And he easy is. Easy for you to say. Easy for me to say. <laughs> He lives uh, in Israel mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, an Old Testament scholar, but has much to say about the importance of Israel in in a signal of uh, God's plan uh, for all. So uh, very, very interesting. We heard from him in our morning devotion this morning, yes. staff devotion. Uh, you're not going to mm-hmm. want to miss this guy. He is just fascinating. Yes. Uh, all right. In his... His town where he's from in Israel is like where Samson and Delilah's story took place and yeah, David and Goliath. David and Goliath in his backyard he was introduced. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. That's my you, neighborhood. That's you mowing the grass and you, <laughs> and you say, hey, right here is where. Yeah, the, see this dent here? Yeah, this, this is, is where, where Goliath. Da- yeah, this is where Goliath was. All right, so we'll have a rabbi on coming up at the uh, bottom of the hour. Good morning, Chris Woodward. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm well. I got to tell you, fall is our best 13 days of non-consecutive weather here in Mississippi. <laughs> Generally, it begins after Christmas, somewhere between the tornado mm. and the ice storm. There you go. You know, you got the beginnings of a good country song right there, I, uh, Chris. I'm working you on wanna, it. You want to write that down. I'm in talks with some folks uh, in Nashville. Okay. I'm going to record something over here in, in our building, but yeah. Hey, before we jump into the uh, news of the day... Mm-hmm. Uh, we did get a yesterday. We one of our topics of discussion was the fact that bacon may soon, uh, yes, not be s- available in California. Correct. Yes, I will pull it, that up right now. Is that right? It is correct. Yeah, the Associated Press reported yesterday. This was their headline: "Bacon may disappear in California as pig rules take effect." Just to recap the story that. Uh, people may not be aware of at the beginning of next year california will begin enforcing an animal welfare proposition approved by voters in 2018 that requires more space for breeding pigs egg laying chickens and veal calves now something called the national veal and egg producers uh, says it's optimistic they can meet the new standards but only four percent of hog operations 
now comply with the new rules. So unless courts intervene or the state temporarily allows what's going to be called non-compliant pork meat to be sold in California, the Golden State will lose almost half or all of its pork supply, much of which comes from Iowa. You don't Iowa. have to read the whole story, Chris. <laughs> but, uh, Just, but, it's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Chris Woodward. I'm there Chris you go. Woodward. We ended it that way. Okay. The, <laughs> the point is uh, bacon may soon be unavailable in Mm-hmm. In the Golden State, you mean they can't import it either? Yes, that is that is the way it's being reported. Okay. I'm trying to follow up with this. Well, today. my my thing is, don't tell everybody out there in California. But if they say no, yeah, then that's more for everybody else around the country. You know what I'm saying? That's, I did see somebody say yesterday that Texas will gladly take the pork. Uh, so anyway, uh, one of our listeners turned us nice. on to uh, something I didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. It's called bacon wrapped meatloaf. You cannot go wrong with that. <laughs> you cannot. That sounds wonderful. Bacon. I you know I don't know why I, I just never thought of this, but yeah, this is a combo that's now, uh, Fred would do that irresistible Canadian bacon wrapped meatloaf. That's Canadian. Right. That's right. What's the difference between American bacon and Canadian bacon? Really, I know I get Canadian bacon on my pizza the pigs, sometimes. The pigs but, speak French. <laughs> Last Chris la, will be here all week, ladies and gentlemen. La oink, la oink. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so just just uh, this bacon wrapped uh, meatloaf just it sounds. Uh, I'll just, it says a delicious traditional home style bacon wrapped meatloaf is topped with tangy t- ketchup sauce, a family favorite. Yeah. And then it gives you the recipe right here, which is a bunch of ground beef. And a bunch of and a, a rapid. Is that with, on our Facebook? Uh, I don't good? know. You might look that up. Uh, because I think we're talking about this, and I can hear listeners. Okay. Saying, well, Brent Creeley might. Uh, Brent's our producer. Maybe he can find it and post it on our Facebook. <laughs> I think that would be the first recipe we've ever put up on our today's issue Facebook know, page. Governor Newsom better be very careful. He's facing a recall vote. Yeah. In about six weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If this gets out to the people of California, I know. you start you start taking away their bacon I instead of bringing what, it home. Yeah, I'd well, I mean, imagine imagine how many people like own an IHOP or a Denny's or a mom and pop breakfast place in California. Truck stops, all kinds of places. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we'll we'll see whether that really comes to pass or not. Um, Chris, yes. What what do you what do you bring into the table? Well, this to- is a program called Today's Issues, uh-huh. and the issue that a lot of people are talking about continues to be COVID nineteen and how we get out of we it. We can't and- get enough COVID nineteen talk, Chris. So well, and that's, give us some more. That is my point. I think I think the fact that we have to talk about this because it is an issue, and and no matter where you turn, you hear or see something about it. <sighs> it's it's influencing whether or not you think things are getting worse where things are getting better. And I bring that up today because there is a new Gallup poll, which Fox reported on this earlier today. Uh, A new Gallup poll finds Americans' optimism of COVID-19 handling is plummeting. Now, people are opposed to lockdowns, but 45% of Americans today now view the pandemic as getting worse, while 40% say it's getting better. In June, just to provide some contrast here, in June, 89% of Americans thought the pandemic was on the mend. So we've had a substantial... Uh, it's on the, in terms it of was waning. Well, then they had the variant. The variant comes along. But you know what I hear from um, other countries is that this, especially England, some other places, the variant is uh, 
much more contagious. Mm-hmm. However, um, it passes quickly. Passes quickly. So you know, I, I'm not surprised by this poll. People have just had it uh, with the today. You don't have to wear masks. Tomorrow, you have to wear the mask. It keeps shifting back and forth, back and forth. We're sold this idea, and I'm not against vaccinations. Right. But we're sold the idea that you just get the vaccine, and this is going to be all over. We're all going to go back to normal. And now what does the CDC, now what does uh, the good doctors say? Uh, that we got to go back. In our own local community here, there was a local school board, emergency school board meeting yesterday, and they decided masks for all students and teachers all day. Mm. And can and I just heard the collective sigh of parents out there saying, not again. Mm-hmm. We cannot go through this again. So people are just, I, I think they've just had it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the, uh, the what, what, go ahead and quote that first part of that okay. story. According to Gallup, 45% of Americans now the now view the pandemic as getting worse, while 40% say it's getting better. Just a few weeks ago, 89% of Americans thought things well, were on the mend. Well, it it is getting worse if you uh, the in terms of the cases uh, going going up because of the variant, the Indian variant, what's called Delta variant, I yeah, guess. Yeah, and then you have the Lambda variant, something called the Alpha variant. There's a bunch of variants. You mean there's more variants on mm-hmm. the way? Yes. Delta but, seems to be the one that's getting the most headlines. Yeah, so, so it is on the rise, and it's spiking. So that's that's the reason why 45% of the people think it's getting worse. Yeah. Um, and um, so, but uh, Lindsey Graham, the senator from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yes. Vac- fully vaccinated, tested positive yesterday. Yes. You and see that, this? That's, and that's the thing that's it's, – some of this, I, I believe, by the mainstream media is being hyped. Uh, what's that, being hyped? What's being hyped is you got to do this, you got to get those masks back mm-hmm. on in support of the Biden administration. And, and so folks are saying, listen, we made it through the first one. We should have learned some things from that. We can't – number one, we can't shut down again. I think there's a lot of fear – of this complete shutdown again, and people just don't want to go through no, this. No, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think I don't think Americans have the stomach uh, for that. Uh, now, the vaccinations um, probably about reached their peak because people have had plenty of time, uh, plenty plenty of opportunity to get vaccinated mm-hmm. uh, should they have wanted to be vaccinated. And what is that? About 60, 50, 60 percent of the American public, roughly. Uh- it's somewhere, I want to say it's actually reached the 70% that Biden wanted it to okay. in time for July 4th, but it's still not everybody, which well, they've if been you, trying to do. If you couple that with the um, natural antibodies because of the mm-hmm. people who've already had COVID, mm-hmm. I would be among those, mm-hmm. then, you know, you're, you got to be nearing herd immunity. But what's herd immunity uh, applied to? Is it applied to the first? COVID, COVID nineteen, yeah. or did it, or is it applied to the uh, COVID nineteen? That's a good question. It also applies variant. to the person that you're asking. Some people would tell you that herd immunity is reached when everybody gets vaccinated. Other people might tell you that herd immunity is achieved when people get it and they their bodies deal. What's with What's the it. Re- recovery rate for COVID? 
That I'm not sure of off the top of my head, and I think that's one reason why people are as concerned about this as uh, they seem to be according to this Gallup poll, because no matter where you get your news, if it's from a national channel or something local, generally the lead story on COVID is going to be how many people have tested positive, but buried in those news stories, or maybe not even included in those news stories, is the recovery rate are the people testing positive severely ill? Have they died? Those things generally don't get covered in the stories, and that's why people, I think, are as concerned as they are because they're not getting that information and taking that into account when they're getting all the other data. I, get, uh, I guess I'm just surprised at the number of people I'm hearing who are fully vaccinated who are getting COVID. Yeah. Lindsey Graham being, you know, one of so, them. So, I, I don't know. Well, there's, there was a story last week, Iceland was celebrated around the world as the country that was getting out of this. And now uh, 60, 70%, despite fact, 60, 70% vaccinated, right. they're back in the hole again. What's happening in Israel as well. Yeah. But again, you got to step back and say, you know, what are the, uh, what are the hospitalization rates? Mm-hmm. What are the death rates? Mm-hmm. Uh, how does this compare like to a seasonal flu? Mm-hmm. Yes. Those kinds of things, because um, those, those statistics are really the ones for public health, seems to me that you, you right. have to pay attention to. And, of to. course, you know, it's August 3rd. We're going to be entering uh, officially flu season in the next few weeks, if it's even that far away. Yeah. And, you know, media is going to cover that on top of the COVID stuff. And here yeah. we go again. What do you got next? Well, let's do this because, you know, generally uh, we, we bring in audio of the White House press briefings, uh, specifically exchanges between Fox News reporter Peter Ducey and Jen Psaki, uh, President Biden's spokesperson, uh, and here I've got some audio. This is uh, Jen Psaki answering a question from Peter Ducey yesterday. He asked her whether or not President Barack Obama is setting the wrong example about how serious COVID-19 is by hosting his 60th birthday party with hundreds of people um, in a big gathering uh, while other people are being told not to do these things. Clip two. Well, I would certainly refer you to uh, the team who is working for my former boss to give you more specifics of what the protocols are in place. But I would note first that former President Obama has been a huge advocate of individuals getting vaccinated. Uh, when CDC provided gu- has provided what CDC has provided guidance on is for indoor settings in high or substantial high zones of COVID cases. This event, according to all the public reporting, is outdoors and in a moderate zone. But in addition, there is testing requirements and other steps they are taking, which I'm sure they can outline for you in more detail. But is there any concern, just because, as you've said here, and you've had people saying over the last couple of days, vaccinated people can still spread this Delta variant uh, around. So is there concern that this President Obama birthday party might become a super spreader event? Well, I think, Peter, the guidance is about what steps people can take uh, when they're in public settings. Indoor settings specifically was the new guidance to keep themselves and others safe. In terms of what protocols uh, they are taking, I would refer you to them, and I'm sure they can give you more details. And just last one. So people who are watching this at home and they see, well, President Obama can have a party with several hundred people. Should they think that it is okay for them to have a party with several hundred people now? Well, we certainly advise everyone to follow public health guidelines, uh, which I know the former president, who is a huge advocate of getting vaccinated, of following the guidance of public health experts, would certainly advocate for himself as well. Now, this is a very long clip, but it's being viewed and covered by Fox News as another hypocritical move uh, from a Democrat, in this case, Barack Obama. Listen, I don't really care that Barack Obama has a birthday party with several hundred people at his house. 
I just don't want the liberals telling me if if a conservative politician does it next week, it becomes a super oh, spreader. And they will. Yes. Yeah, and they it, will. If President Trump were having several hundred people at Mar Largo, then they would be the same people would sure. be saying, Oh my word, it's a super spreader. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about uh his neighbors and his friends and family. Yeah. Couple of things. Jen Saku was ready for that question. Oh yeah. She was ready for it. Number two, just as you say, the mainstream media uh, will not cover if there are cases coming out of this birthday party for Barack Obama in the next few days. Sure. You won't hear anything about it. If To your point, Tim, if it was a Donald Trump birthday party mm-hmm. with 500 people attending, yeah. three people diagnosed, oh, headlines. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'd be- we, we all know what's going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, she was she was ready for that question. You know what you uh, what they will say is listen. Uh, they'll say he he's people have to be tested for COVID. What what is going on here? Barack Obama is former president is having a big birthday bash bash at his one of his homes. Mm-hmm. Which one is this? The twelve million dollar mansion, which is larger than any home he and others. Is it in Martha's Vineyard? Where is yes. it? Martha's Vineyard. So he's going to have Oprah and George Clooney and Spielberg. All these uh, Pearl although Jam I, is going to Pearl Jam is going to perform. Although uh, I found that odd that for those who don't know, Pearl Jam is sort of a grunge band. They are. They? Uh, yes, I thought that odd myself. These, um, these are a bunch of uh, 50, 60, 70 year old people listening yeah. to. Well, maybe maybe Pearl Jam is that old by yeah, now. Yeah, they they've know. been around for a while. I oh. I thought it funny because uh, Biden had a rally last year when he was running, and he had Bon Jovi, a singer who's known for a song called "Bad Medicine," perform at a uh, a rally for for Joe Biden. So. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Obama's having this big. Uh, by the way, there needs to be a book written. Uh, President Obama got filthy rich. Quick, yes, yes. I mean, this guy, this guy went from, you know, mm-hmm. making a couple hundred grand to in in the Senate, uh, whatever his salary yeah. was there, oh. to to making enough money to have like two or three homes. Yes, and I'm glad you mentioned that because today, today, an hour ago, uh, Valerie Jarrett, that worked for the obama administration as one of his uh, senior advisors she tweeted this today my dear friend barack obama is turning 60 tomorrow for his birthday gift i'm asking you to chip in six to sixty dollars to help us bring the obama presidential center to life in chicago donate at obama.org slash blah 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 is that how she talks chris yes now here it's interesting that you mentioned this and listen i don't I don't villainize anybody that has made money. That is the way our system is structured. Right. If you make money, good for you. It's America. Okay? Right. Here's here's what's interesting, though. And I tweeted this in response to her. Business Insider had a story in December of 2020 saying, quote, the Obamas are worth at least $70 million. Mm. Why do taxpayers need to chip in 6 to $60? <laughs> and I've not gotten a response. I don't think I will. Yeah. He's worth what? The Obamas are worth seven, at least $70 million, and I'll tell you how. Obviously, he gets his pension as being a president. He may get a pension from being a senator. I'm not sure. But uh, he and Michelle have made a lot of money off books. Oh, yeah. And they have a deal with Netflix. Then Netflix. Yes. Netflix is probably paying them millions and millions. Listen, he was treated from kid with kid gloves right from the get-go. 
Remember, he won what the Nobel Peace Prize. Mm-hmm. He was in office two months. Yeah, where well, he hadn't done anything. He hadn't done a thing. He gets the Nobel Peace right. Prize. Right. That kind of set the stage for Barack Obama can do no wrong. Sure. Yeah. And that's what it was. Well, yeah. um, and I'll, I'll tell you this, Fred. Somebody mentioned this. I think it was Fred. Nobody's going to do any kind of coverage on whether or not people are test po- testing positive after his birthday. Nope. But. Trump is going to have a rally in late August in Alabama. I guarantee you someone somewhere will do a story about people testing sure. positive. Or they'll say they're all unmasked, unvaccinated people at the Trump rally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just uh, – it's going to be I'm, – I'm curious to keep an eye on this uh, whole uh, uh, problem with people who are vaccinated getting mm-hmm. the uh, – getting COVID uh, on the on – the, uh, the, what do you call them, the strands – the variants. The variants. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Are, you, are people going to have to get a booster shot? They're going to have to well, get a, mm-hmm. Or is this going to – I'm just – I'm thinking this COVID is going to be around for a long, long time in different ways, and you're going to have to – you're going to – people are going to be offered a uh, annual shot like uh, the flu. I think a lot of people had the impression when the vaccines were being sold, Yeah. all I need is the shot and I'm good. I can never be touched again. But here's what people didn't realize. The potency of the vaccinations wanes over time. Wanes? Wanes. In other words, diminishes over time. And that's why now they're talking about boosters. Yeah. And and that's why people like Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey Graham, okay, I'm not sure when he had the, the second vaccination, but it's probably diminished over time. And now that makes him vulnerable once again. That leads to the frustrations people are having. You told me if I got both mm-hmm. both both shots, I'd be okay. That's not the case because we're now starting to get these stories. Listen, there are bugs in the air. Yes. Your best defense against the virus is your own immune system. And that's why I have people have a lot of concerns about the, the mask. Yeah. Uh, because you're compromising your immune system by wearing a mask for eight hours a day. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not good for you to wear a mask, especially if you work in certain situations where maybe the air is not necessarily being cycled through properly, or it's hot and you're breathing in a lot of your own. Um, All right. Let me let me germs. point something out for just a moment. And, and again, uh, um, we're not against vaccines, nope. and uh, we're not advocating you get a vaccine. I, all we're saying is that people need to do their own research, their own homework. Mm-hmm. Before they uh, jab their arm mm-hmm. with something that's experimental, that's, yes. Okay, and, and the vaccines because uh, we have a lot, uh, several, uh, probably twenty five, thirty percent, maybe about thirty percent of our staff has gotten the vaccine mm-hmm. here, uh, and then the, and then others have already had COVID, mm-hmm. and then some have said, you know, I'm I'm not, uh, I've weighed the risk, and I'm not. I want to. I don't want to get a vaccine. But let me point something out here, because people uh, who are choosing not to get the vaccine are just getting pummeled. Yes, pummeled by the media and by politicians and uh, many in the health field. Joe okay. Biden said last week it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Yeah. So even though the vaccinated are getting it and spreading it, evidently. But uh, I wanted to read this from the Israeli public health chief. I tell you what, 
I shall not be rushed. <laughs> <laughs> that's a proverb. Oh. I think it's a, in the Proverbs. Uh, we're here. You hear the music. I, I want to read you this quote from Israeli's public health chief, which gives credence to the skepticism that some people have about taking a vaccine mm-hmm. from something that's yet to be approved by the FDA. Am I right? That's correct. Uh, full full approval. Correct. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, emergency approval. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll be back momentarily, and I'll read you this quote. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Here's another of our core values. AFA upholds the truth that all human beings, including the unborn, are created in the image of God and are worthy of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Thank you for standing with us, and we thank you for your support. What would it be like if every person knew that they were created in the image of God? After two years in the making, American Family Studios proudly presents In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. There are only two sexes, male or female. If you're conceived with a Y chromosome, you will develop into a male. In His Image is a documentary featuring life-changing testimonies of former LGBT individuals. In my most formative years of development of sexuality, I went through a brutal time of uh, sexual distortion, molestation. Visit InHisImage.movie to watch In His Image. Well, everybody, welcome to this unboxing video as we unbox my hormone blockers. In His Image from American Family Studios is available now for free viewing. Visit InHisImage.movie. You're made in the image of God. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. If you're a first responder, you know the right training can make all the difference in a crisis. At Liberty University, we know the right training can make all the difference for your future. So we're proud to offer you a 25% discount on our more than 450 online degree programs. Combine this discount with our generous military benefits if you or your spouse also have military experience. Learn more about getting the right training at Liberty University by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. Lindsey Graham, the senator from South Carolina, announced he has been infected with the China virus. The senator had been fully vaccinated, but after hanging out with a bunch of Democrats over the weekend, he came down with the virus. In response, the head of the Rhode Island Democratic Party posted a nasty note on Twitter. Kate Coyne McCoy wondered if it was wrong to hope Graham died from the virus. Now, to wish for someone's death just because you disagree with their politics is beyond reprehensible, folks. And it's further evidence the greater threat facing our nation is not the China virus. It's the moral rot that has infected many of our hearts and minds. And there's only one place to find the cure. And it's not Washington, D.C. It's your local church house. My new book now topping the charts. You can order a copy of our Daily Biscuit right now at your favorite bookstore or online at ToddSterns.com. In him we were also chosen as God's own 
having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything by the counsel of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, would be for the praise of his glory. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. American Family Radio. This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. Hey, welcome back to the program Today's Issues on the American Family Radio Network. Thanks for listening. Should you want to join us on Facebook or YouTube, just type in Today's Issues, and we live video stream the show there. We have a podcast, which last month was downloaded by 250,000 250, uh, podcasts. Do you call them downloads, Fred? Downloads, yep. All right. Now, we, we paled in comparison to Sandy Reels in the morning. She had a lot more than we did. But uh, So check that out. Get the podcast for today's issues. Uh, and, and momentarily, we're going to visit with a rabbi. Mm-hmm. A real rabbi from uh, from uh, Israel, and we're going to talk to uh, Rabbi Pesach Waliki. And if I mispronounce that, we'll give him an opportunity to say so. Just a minute. But speaking of Israel, I did want to point this out. Um, I was I was looking at uh, Israel and tourism because our our tour group that was supposed to go in March of 2020 is going in March of 2022. Lord willing and the COVID don't rise. <laughs> okay. So I was reading about this and there's a story in one of the news uh, uh, outlets in Israel and it quoted the Israeli public health chief. And the only reason I'm quoting this He's talking about, uh, it says, Israel's public health chief says evidence points to waning COVID vaccine immunity. Okay. So uh, Israel has one of the highest vaccination rates in the world. And uh, basically COVID had gone down to nothing. Well, the variant came along and here we go again with COVID rising. But, uh, I want to I want to quote what the gentleman said, who's in charge of public health in Israel. He said this quote: "Previously, we thought that fully vaccinated individuals are protected." End of quote. Okay, <clears throat> that doesn't sound like what you're going, Tim. What's the big deal about that quote? Why? why? I only say I only bring this quote up to point out to people who would say, get the vaccination, you're killing people, is that when a health leader of a country like Israel says out loud, previously, (laughs) previously, we thought that fully vaccinated individuals are protected. All I'm saying is that kind of thing, I don't want to hear a year from now, where they say previously we thought the vaccinations were perfectly safe. <laughs> do, do, you, mm-hmm. do, do you see what I'm saying here? So, so P- 
people who want to bash us over the head, you you know, say get vaccinated or you're mm-hmm. you're you're uh, not an American. Uh, in this case, not an Israeli. I would just say, okay, if you're going to do that, please admit. Just go ahead and admit that uh, sometimes things are said that are that are considered factual in the moment. Six months from now, guess what? The science changes, and there are just a lot of people who are skeptical. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of people who are skeptical. They're rational people. They've done their own homework. They've done their own research, and, and they say, you know what? I'm weighing the the benefits or potential benefits of a vaccine versus what maybe maybe there's a downside to 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 maybe there's a reason the FDA hasn't approved the vaccines uh, fully yes yet and there's a reason they're called experimental so you know so I don't think we need to get into shouting matches with each other or accuse each other some somebody texted me the other day anonymously 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 and said uh, that we are we American Family Radio are discouraging vaccines and we have blood on our hands. So that that's kind of you know message you get from they missed my from, stories on that from some people. So we're not against vaccines. We're not telling you to go get a vaccine. We're telling you to do your homework, do your own research. But if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna uh, beat people over the head, get the vaccine, or you're call yourself a Christian. There are uh, I don't like to read. Uh, the Israeli public health chief saying previously we thought <laughs> previously we thought that fully vaccinated individuals are protected. That says to me, previously you thought something about the vaccine was going to be going to work. And now you're saying, but it doesn't. And so if that's the, but if you're going to say something like that, you have to admit, maybe there's other things coming down the road. We're going to have to say previously we thought, Fill in the blank about the vaccine. All right. Uh, we have a guest in studio from Israel. Speaking of Israel. Yes. Uh, Rabbi Pesach Walecki. 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 Yeah. Do I go. have that right? Did he get it right? It. You got it right. Uh, Not bad. Not bad. Good to have you. Listen, I, I've got to mention this right off the top uh, where his neighborhood is in Israel because you live in Israel. Yep. Uh, your neighborhood. It was You were introduced this morning, I think, uh, John Riley introduced you and said that your backyard is where David and Goliath met. That's uh, right. And it's true. You're just telling me about it. Just repeat a little bit of that, where you where you live. So I live in Beit Shemesh, which is a biblical town. There's a big archaeological dig there now um, where they discovered ancient Beit Shemesh. Beit Shemesh is biblically, if you know the story, when the Philistines at one point stole the ark. Yes. And then they kind of had a health problem that <laughs> resulted from it. And they said, we got to get rid of this thing. Uh-huh. And they they brought it back and they sent it on a, uh, you know, with a few oxen to carry it, and just yes. get it away from them so they could uh, get away from their own little pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they sent it back to Beit Shemesh. That's where the ark ended up landing. That's one of the of the notable uh, biblical details about where I live. Beit Shemesh is also right along the Sorek River where Samson met Delilah. And, uh, you know, that was also kind of didn't work out so great. A lot of, a lot of issues, (laughs) you know, you got to be careful who you meet at the, at the river and, uh, and just a little bit south of us, maybe a couple miles south of where I live, a place that I pass uh, on my way into Jerusalem frequently. If I go that way is the Elah Valley where David 
where David killed Goliath. There's a lot going on biblically in the neighborhood that I live in. What are you doing in the U.S.? What I'm doing in the U.S.? Well, I travel around America uh, on a fairly regular basis. I come to the States about eight or nine times a year. I mean, COVID permitting. And I visit uh, Christian churches and seminaries and synagogues. And my work is really devoted to uh, building stronger bonds of cooperation and understanding between between the Jewish community and the Christian community. And I mean the Orthodox Jewish community and the Christian community. So you're the Jewish community, we're the Christian community. What do we need to understand? What do we need to understand? Yes, you're building understanding, right? Well, what we need to understand is that we, is that the amount that we share, the, the, the values that we have in common are so much greater than the things that divide us. Because the first thing that people think about when they meet, you know, that Christians who meet a rabbi, if I go speak in a church, the first thing on the minds of the people in the church are, are about the things that are different, the things that I don't believe that, that you believe or the things that you believe that I don't believe. Uh, and that kind of uh, obscures from view. It distracts us from the fact that the values that we share, the biblical values that we share, and everything that flows from that, whether it be something political or just a shared concern, are, are, are so much greater. And I think we're at a time in history where Jews and Christians need to start realizing that we are that we're fighting side by side, that we're that we are, you know, we're battling the same forces culturally and politically. Now, in the world. You, uh, were you raised in Israel or raised in the U.S.? I was actually raised in Canada. I'm a U.S. citizen. Canada. I was born in the U.S. My dad uh, is retired now. My dad was a rabbi, and when I was a baby, he moved to Canada to take a synagogue there. Fred's um, Canadian. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. Where are you from? Nova Scotia. Ah, I've yeah. been out to Nova Scotia a couple of times. Are you from Halifax? I uh, went to University of Dalhousie. Oh, there. Yeah. wow. Yeah, I've been to Dalhousie. It's yeah. old home week here, see? <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, see, I'm so bringing, still a Canadian I'm bringing people you, together. Oh, really? Just yes. like you are, Rabbi. Wow. I'm bringing people together. So what's, a, a, so what's, a, guy from, what's a guy from Halif- or from Nova Scotia doing down in Tupelo, Mississippi? Well, I, I worked in Weather? Pub- public broadcast. <laughs> yeah. I worked in public broadcasting in Canada, CBC Radio, sure. for many, many years, Toronto, Vancouver. And their, let me put it this way, their editorial stance became so liberal uh, that I... Got, I got to get myself to Mississippi. I got to get out of this <laughs> and starting using, using the talents the Lord gave me for a good purpose. And, uh, and that's something I, I, I was fascinated. We we're talking about this morning about the, how important it is for Christians to support the nation of Israel. Because the nation of Israel, its very being is based on who God is. Can you expand on that? Sure. Look, you know, that's, that's one way to put it, that a reason for Christians to support Israel is, you know, the very being. But that kind of, that could be a vague mm-hmm. statement, if you don't mind me saying so. No, no. I think it's much more, you know, if we could be more surgical about it. The Bible is a story about Israel and Israel's influence on the entire world. That's the narrative of the Bible. You know, people, so many people think about their faith in personal terms, you know, my prayer life, my personal needs. And, but you open up the Bible and you have a story about humanity, about the world. And the focus of that story, the driver in that story is God's relationship to Israel. And, and Israel, the people of Israel, Abraham's offspring, have a universal mission from the get-go. From the first time that God speaks to Abraham, he, he tells him that he will bring blessing to all the families of the earth. 
And he reiterates that over and over again. And then when the people of Israel are standing at Sinai, God tells them that they are to be a kingdom of priests, which is a very strange term if you really think about it. You know, like what a whole society of priests, like everyone's got their own church, population one. I mean, that's, that's not what it means. The, the Hebrew term priest, which is Kohen, like if you meet a Jew named Kohen, that's, that's what that name means, it's the priestly name. That term actually is also used in the Bible for pagan priests. I mean, it's just, it, it's not a, it doesn't only refer to the family of Aaron. It refers to someone whose role is to help the flock get closer to God. Hmm. That's, that's what the term means, Kohen. So when the people of Israel are told to become a mamlechet kohanim in Hebrew, a kingdom or society of priests, what it really means, what God is saying to them and how they understood it is you have a priestly role. You are to be a priestly society. In other words, the role of the people of Israel is meant to be to influence the flock. Who's the flock? So the flock is the people of the world. Now, for most of Jewish history, we weren't really able to influence everyone because we were too busy running from persecution. No one was really listening to what we had to say. But in that same Bible, it talks about how the people of Israel will be persecuted and will be a tiny people that will be scattered to the ends of the earth for a very, very long time. And then in Deuteronomy 30, Moses tells the people that at some point, far, far into the future, There will come a time where you will return from exile from the four corners of the earth and you will return to your land and take possession of it and become more numerous and more prosperous than your ancestors. And then that gets expanded upon throughout the Bible. And we know that all the prophets speak about this, that at the time that the people of Israel come back to our land, whether it's in Zechariah or Isaiah or wherever you look, that at that time that it will coincide with the nations of the earth also praising God for bringing the people of Israel back. Like we have that in Psalms. We have, uh, you know, uh, Psalm 117, praise the Lord all nations, exalt him all peoples, for his kindness has been abundant upon the people of Israel. When was there a time in history where millions and millions of, of nations of the earth, members of the nations of the earth, were praising God for being so good to the Jews? Mm-hmm. It was kind of the opposite, but we do have that reality today. Mm-hmm. My point being that the Bible is, it's a story about the Jews, but it's not only a story about the Jews. It's a story about all who have faith in God and all have a role to play. So Christians should be supporting Israel, not because, oh, you know, Genesis 12, 3 says that if I'm good to the Jews, God will bless me. Like, we're, like you know, it, it's a good way to put money in the candy machine and get stuff if you bless the Jews. No. Christians should be supporting Israel because the story of the people of Israel is the biblical narrative. And these future tense prophecies about the return of the people of Israel from the four corners of the earth becoming more numerous and more prosperous than our ancestors have been fulfilled. These are future tense prophecies written that way in the Bible that today we live in a time where those future tense prophecies are no longer future tense. They're the reality. And therefore, supporting Israel is really supporting the truth of the biblical narrative. There's nothing that the left fears more than the actual fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Yes. Mm. Talking to Rabbi Pesach Waliki. Did I get it correct? You did. Well, close enough. I'm not going <laughs> to right. Well, thank you. <laughs> Mine's just Tim. Okay, so. Is that pronounced uh, Tim? Yes, yeah, pronounced there Tim. <laughs> uh, Time. Well, well, Wildman. But uh, anyway, 
uh, pastor, uh, uh, rabbi rather, which means pastor, right? No, but, but teacher. Enough. It means it means teacher. Is that in what Hebrew, pastor means? In Hebrew, right? Yeah, rabbi does. Correct. Uh, he lives in Israel. He uh, travels America frequently, uh, speaking in churches. The, uh, the organization you represent is called what? Uh, well, I, wor- I actually Work am with. kind of independent, and I, I serve as a consultant in different organizations, and I speak on behalf of different organizations. Okay. Um, I, you, I've spoken you work for- with the Christians United for Israel I have spoken at many of their events, sure. Yeah. Uh, can people follow you on Facebook or YouTube? Uh, or I, I avoid there? Facebook. I mean, I'm on Facebook, but there's not really a whole lot going okay. on there. Um, so the, I, the mission, though, that you're involved with, the reason you come to the U.S., where can people find out more information? Well, people about can it? find out more about it. They could Google my name. I'm the only person in the world with my name, and you'll find videos. No kidding. And, uh, and, and writings and things. Uh, there's a Wikipedia page about me. Uh, and uh, but my name, I'm the only human being on the planet with this name, which okay. makes it really, again, really easy to and find. And I'll me. spell it Rabbi P E S A C H. That's first name. That's first name. Uh, pronounced Pesach in English, and last name W O L I C K I is uh, the rabbi's last name. Now, you guys just had a uh, uh, yet another presidential election. In Israel, right? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, prime ministerial election, yeah. Excuse me. Yes, prime minister, the equivalent of a U.S. president. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu had been in that office how long? Uh, for the last 10 years. Or longer, yeah. Well, if you add up all the time that he's yes, served, he was, it was, he was there and then not. Because he was prime minister, then he wasn't briefly, and then he came back. Without, without getting too much into detail here, uh, Americans look at uh, that election. A lot of us go, "What in the world? They just had an, they just had a presidential election six months ago. Not a presidential election, but a prime." Yeah, minister. we had four in the span of about a year and a half. Yeah, that that's that's not that's not right. Correct. I was going to say it's not American, but it's not. It's it's <laughs> not even. But I mean, you, well, I don't know why these Israeli citizens want to put themselves through that much political campaigning. I guess is what I'm saying. But I'm joking because there's a different kind of system, a parliamentarian system, mm-hmm. correct? Right. Which uh, they have in Canada. Yes. And Great right. Britain. It's, it's actually different than what you have in Canada. Is it? Yeah. Okay. In Canada, you have districts. You have representation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Canada is it's actually like if you only had the House of Representatives. Yeah. That's what you have in Canada. Yes. Like without the Senate. Um, and Which is appointed. <clears throat> right. In, in and, Canada. And... and uh, uh, but a similarity that Israel has to Canada is that the the executive is appointed by the legislature. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me explain that. Uh, in Israel, you only vote for a party. There's no districts. It's not divided up that way. So everyone votes for their party of choice. Every party before the election submits a list of names. Uh, because there are 120 seats in the Knesset, for the hypothetical uh, possibility, which of course never gets even close, for the hypothetical possibility that one party would get all the votes, every party submits 120 names, one through 120 in order. And in practice, what happens is however many votes you get, that's that proportion, like let's say you get 10% of all the votes, so your party is entitled or is awarded 10% of the seats in the Knesset. Mm-hmm. 120 seats in the Knesset, my party gets 10% of the vote, we have 12 seats. Okay, that's and that's how it works. 
no party in Israel's history has ever gotten the majority of the seats in the Knesset. Okay. Okay. Uh, we currently, I think, have 13 parties that made it in. Uh, so it's, a, it's proportional representation. In the United States, you have a winner-take-all system. So it, 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 if two people are running for Congress in a certain district and one of them wins by one vote, the one who lost got nothing. And because the United States is a winner-take-all system, that's why you have a two-party system. The United States is not a two-party system because there's a law that it has to be a two-party system. The United States is a two-party system because in a winner-take-all situation, it makes no sense for any party to break itself up for someone to start a third party, which is why third parties are always so destructive and, and right, so— yeah. They never win. And they never win anything because it's a winner-take-all system. But if you had a situation, so, you know, to take an American example, if you had a proportional system, when Ross Perot ran a third party, what you would end up with was he would have had a chunk gotcha. of, of the Congress, you know, and that's the way it works. So it, it's not chaos. It's just a, it's a different system. It's proportional representation. And that way people's ideologies are represented. So a bunch of people uh, believe a certain way, they vote for that party. And... The way the government is formed is that after the voting is finished and everyone gets whatever seats they got by, based on the proportion of the votes, someone, the largest party, is given the, the, uh, the right to go first to try to form a government. But 61 members have to agree to form a coalition. Okay. That gives you the majority. Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, Americans have become familiar with him, particularly the American Christian community, and we're fond of him. Mm -hmm. overall not knowing all the and are following all the internal politics of uh israel there there are reasons why he lost i guess um that we that maybe we don't we don't know about don't understand don't fully appreciate but uh the new gentleman tell us tell us his name tell him what 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 should we know about him well what's his name his name is naftali bennett okay the first thing to understand and you know because Everyone sees the politics of other countries through the lens of how politics works in their own country. Yeah. Um, and Americans more so than other people, not because Americans are, so, are, are closed-minded in some way, but because America is such a large and powerful nation that it's just natural for Americans to look outside and, and see other countries through the lens of American politics. But, and Netanyahu is a right-wing nationalist populist leader. And I'm a Netanyahu fan. I voted for him every time he's run. I'm very upset that he's not the prime minister. But, but Americans should not make the mistake of thinking that because Netanyahu was a right-wing nationalist populist, that the person who's now prime minister is not. He's also a right-wing nationalist populist. Because Israel today is a right-wing nationalist populist country. No one could become prime minister if they were a left-winger anymore. This, is not, this wasn't true before Netanyahu, but it's true today, and it's due to the success of Netanyahu's policies. What you have to know, to understand Naftali Bennett is to understand Netanyahu. What I mean by that is this. The reason Netanyahu was not prime minister, even though his party got by far the most, the most seats, is that with all the great things about Netanyahu, and he's the greatest prime minister in Israel's history, and even people who despise him acknowledge that he's the greatest prime minister in Israel's history, which might sound like a, a contradiction, but it's not. He's the greatest prime minister in Israel's history in managing the economy. He's the greatest prime minister in Israel's history managing our relationship to the other nations of the world, the United States in particular. He's the greatest prime minister in Israel's history on security. On every major issue, he is the most successful prime minister in Israel's history. But he has one personality flaw, 
which we only see as as the populace in the results, which is that high quality, talented people who are around him and are close to him often leave in disgust and never want to talk to him again. Hmm. And it's a pattern throughout his career. And in Israel, because it's not a winner-take-all system, in America, if someone leaves in disgust and they don't have a political home, they vanish from view or they join a think tank somewhere or write a book. In Israel, they start their own political party and they get a little proportion of the vote. So what you have to... So, so three of the parties that make up the coalition currently are headed by people who at some point were Netanyahu's chief of staff. Really? Yeah. Wow, okay. And Bennett is one of them. Naftali Bennett spent time as Netanyahu's chief of staff. So did Avigdor Lieberman. Gidon Saar, oh, I'll correct myself, Gidon Saar, who heads up another party, wasn't his chief of staff. He was number two in the party to Netanyahu. Okay. Uh, and so <clears throat> the dynamic is that you have people who are heading up parties and their whole political position is Basically, I have the same policies as Netanyahu, but I don't want to sit in a government with him. <laughs> yeah. So this government that we have now is also a right-wing nationalist populist government. Okay. Okay? It's, yeah, I was, I was worried. There's a lot of people concerned about what's the, you know. Oh, this. they're not a left-wing government. One of the things that Netanyahu successfully did was destroy the left wing. And he didn't destroy it by politically destroying them. He destroyed it by implementing such good policies that Israelis living under Netanyahu would never in their wildest uh, you know, nightmares want to have a left-wing government. So the left-wing parties have been shrinking and shrinking and shrinking because people are really happy with a booming economy yeah. and good security and, and, and good relations with the world. So yeah. the, it, we have a strange dynamic that happened during these four consecutive election campaigns which is like, I, I live in Israel, you're going through election <laughs> campaigns, you're watching. There was no debates about policy. Throughout <laughs> yeah, these campaigns, personality. nobody's speeches, nobody's election materials said anything about policy because no one wants to change any policy. No gotcha. one wants to change the way things are done. The entire campaigns was a referendum on whether you want Netanyahu to remain in power. So they came up with these very sketchy, iffy scandals. Gotcha. And, but uh, whatever, that's, that's what's going on in Israel. I hope I explained things. Yes, a you did. Bit. Thank no, you so that much. Was interesting. Yeah. Hey, thank you, Rabbi. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for thank being you. with us today. Rabbi, thank you. it's been an honor. Saki Waliki. Pesach. Pesach. We'll, we'll be, uh, I'll give that name spelling again in five minutes. We'll be back. <laughs> the views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.